Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and welcome to Lunchbox Radio. I know that a lot of you didn't listen to the last episode that I did on... that was very much hinged around Anthony Bourdain and a little show called, that I think is really good, called um, Restaurant to Another World, that is, for all intents and purposes, not the most important show, but I, I thought it fit what I wanted to talk about and all that fun junk. So for the few of you who did listen to it, thank you so much. Um, now, we're going to talk about something that's an awful lot, like something we talked about before. But, um, that, and that thing is Gangsta. So 
So, for those of you who are not aware, I am a... I'm not kidding when I say I'm a fairly unique person walking about the world. For one, I am biracial. I am half black, half white. And for another, I am a two-time survivor of brain cancer. Now, uh, people who look at me realize that's what it looks like to go two rounds in the ring with brain cancer, but most people, they just see a disabled person, and they see, and there are lots of perceptions that go along with it. Now, for those of you who are really confused right now, he just said he's talking about a show called Gangsta. Why is he talking about his own disability? That's because Gangsta is a show with a main lead character who is disabled and is disabled in a way that is pretty close to life. Um, and to give you an idea of how much I've thought about this, I give a panel at, uh, I gave a panel last con season at Liberty City Anime at Liberty City Anime Con in New York about disability anime and what it means and blah 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 blah. Um, I'm not obviously not going to reprise that here. Um, I think I'll be doing it in this year's Liberty City Anime Convention and I will definitely be so if I do do that I'll definitely record it and post it here as, like, an audio version. But, needless to say, I've obviously thought a lot about this stuff. And it's... For as rare as depictions of... black main characters and gay main characters and the, the like laundry list of minorities as main characters and as whole casts are, it's even rarer to have characters who are disabled. And I'm not talking about disabled like Daredevil, because I, even in the panel I put on at um, conventions, I say... We won't be talking about blind people because there's two kinds of blind people. <laughs> Actually, three kinds. There are oracles, blind samurais, and people who aren't really blind. Daredevil calls in, falls into the category of... He actually falls into two. He falls into not really blind and, like, that of each the blind samurai territory at once. But... Needless to say, when his show came out on Netflix, it was hailed as this, like, amazing thing. Um, I found out later from someone who I met at that original pan- at that panel I did, that they did, that there's a process they do to make blind people able to watch television, essentially, which I had no idea, and they had not about, and they had not done that for that show, and that was seen as a huge controversy. Um, rightfully so. But that gives you an idea of how rare it is for people who are disabled and truly disabled. I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, your arm's broken, or you are, there are 
moment there was a moment in your life where you stuck in a wheelchair for a while. I'm talking about short of Ghost in the Shell style replacement bodies, you're not getting full use out of your body ever again. And that's at, you are permanently irreversibly disabled, and that's where I'm at. But, um, at least for the time, permanently irreversibly disabled for the time being, I guess is the phrasing I would use there. But, basically what this all boils down to is there's not much representation in the world of disabled characters and of strong disabled characters outside of, once again, lots of blind samurais. So, when this show was announced, uh, the hype was palpable, and you'll know why if you've seen the tr the opening of the show, which, it, criminally enough, I think I have a sneaking suspicion has been sped up on the Funimation-hosted um, on the Funimation-hosted stream of that show, which is really bad, because that opening is all about, it's all about, like, drugs, and S&M, and more drugs, and sex, and, like, all, like, it is a really strong opening for, well, we'll get into the show in a second, but the person who is kind of lead this show up, it's this character named Nicholas. And you're introduced to him like he's just kind of aloof and doesn't chooses not to pay attention to a lot of things. But quickly you're it's revealed to to the viewer and to a kind of viewpoint character of prostitute they pick up along the way named Alex that you that he's death. Like, completely deaf. And that means that his, the people around him, it, they speak using sign language, which is really fascinating to watch. The kind of natural use of sign language in everyday life, and not only in everyday life, but in like a complex fucked up, non-ideal version of everyday life. It's not like people stop and, it's like, slowly sign out letters the way you probably learned in elementary school when you learned about sign language. It's like they use the, like, full word sign languages and they use gestures along with sign language, so he totally gets it. But the other thing that they reveal is you don't need to learn sign language. He can read lips. Which is a really... true-to-life... thing in the world of people who are... not only deaf, but disabled, in that... we... we are not made... we do not have accommodations made for us in the same way that people might expect. So, for example, uh, especially all over the world, in America, there's the Americans with Disability Act, and it 
forces a lot of common rules on society as a whole, meaning that buildings have to have wheelchair ramps. You're not technically allowed to discriminate against someone for a disability. Uh, and a whole bunch of other disabled parking spots and disabled parking permits and all that other stuff. But in reality, those practices don't always work out. The reason, the reason why I know that is because it's a disabled, as a clearly physically disabled person looking for a job. It's been obvious when I have not gotten a job and they won't tell me why. And I know I'm qualified. I know they know I'm qualified. I have to sit there and ask the question, is it because I'm disabled? And this show, no matter how good or bad it is, and trust me, it's, let's just say it's not good, shows the world of being disabled as it is, not as it's fantasized to be. The character, Nicholas, talks about... He, he exists in a world where people get pissed off at him and say, No, I'm not going to watch you sign your way out of this. You need to use your words. And he doesn't... He, but also, he speaks. When he does speak, he speaks with a kind of authority that none of the other characters speak with because he does so so few times, so rarely. It is ra his he his voice is heard rarely through the show because he is a not because he can't speak, not because he doesn't know how to say things to people he can, although that is a problem with deaf people. Lots of people who go deaf before they have the ability to hear enough words don't know how to talk, basically. They can make sounds, but they can't talk. But he knows how to talk, but he doesn't. But essentially, he's embarrassed about his voice, which is hysterical because this character is this samurai sword wielding badass like merc mercenary that that's one half of a mercenary group uh, uh, one half of a mercenary squad um I forget his name I forget the um but his partner uh, who's later to revealed to be kind of his owner slash handler, but they never get into that with this show. So, we've come to the point, unfortunately, where we have to talk about the show itself. And the idea of this show is basically, what if there was this set of superhuman people? People with superhuman ability with, like, not quite superhuman abilities, but abilities that are greater than a normal person's. Meaning they have like, amplified, they have like amplified strength, they amplified 
agility and all this other stuff, and, like, they can hear better, they can see better, but they also depend on a drug, like, a, basically, they depend on these drugs called uppers and downers to function. They use uppers to keep themselves, like, leveled off, and downers are used basically to bottom them out, forcibly, if necessary. And these characters are called Twilights. Are first, are first called Tags, but are also called Twilights. Tags is like the street name for them, like, oh shit, you're a tag, get away from me. And they are basically, there are kind of two kinds of Tags. There are Tags who are under the guise of someone like Nicholas, like the main character Nicholas is. He's under the guise of his partner Warwick, who you're led to believe in the story that Warwick owns Nicholas somehow in a really, like, specific way, like, owns him like you own a dog. But you're also led to believe that, but but you also understand that the way the um, drug that they, that Nicholas has to take and that all the Twilight take is distributed is distributed through one of the many gangs in the city. And this sounds complicated. It is. It is totally super complicated, and I would. I wouldn't hold it against anybody if they didn't know what to make of this thing, basically. But what I will say is that the complicated part of this ends up hurting it on the whole because it, there used to there used to be a studio called Manglobe, and Manglobe did shows like Samurai Shampoo and House of Five Leaves, and they were this infamous studio that was the studio that you gave things to if you wanted to that got all like the weird project and made them their own and made them like these unique little things. I think they might have also done. Um, even Natsuki Rendezvous, the story about the ghost and about the um, plant shop ghost guy and like the ghost person, person's like love triangle thing. But um, anyway, the important thing to know is that Gangsta went so badly that it ended up taking like, eating that studio's lunch. Not only its lunch, but its dinner and breakfast the next day. That Manglobe closed as a studio because of just the kind of train wreck of a production that was Gangsta. Gangsta and in that way, Gangsta is a weird, unique thing. It is... It starts off 
not strong but promising because the way it starts off is it introduces this it introduces first you start off in an alley with this hooker who is named hilariously enough Alex and Alex is this like down her luck gorgeous streetwalker who just can't seem to obey can't seem to follow the rules can't seem not to bite the clients if you know what I mean and but as of happenstance her pimp and like local crime boss dude is making a little bit too much noise so as happens this show if you haven't watched it and you plan on watching it it will draw it will draw strong comparisons to a show like Black Lagoon because the setting is very much the same. It's this like outlaw city and the cops are corrupt and they take bri- they take bribes from all the different gangs and syndicates and mobs in the city and Warwick and Nicholas are much like the cast of Black Lagoon. They are unaffiliated, essentially. They have friendly relationships with certain gangs, but they don't have any direct... They don't have any serious, at first, allegiances to any one gang in particular. But, so what happens is, they get given a job to, like, basically a mop-up job of go go kill these gangsters, leave nothing behind, and Warwick as a kind of joke said to the police chief, Chad um like, what do we get for our troubles? We want a prize. And Chad just like, fine, whatever whatever you want, just make sure everybody dead. And they're like, fine. They leave, and a really interesting moment here because as mediocre to train wrecky as this show can get, the one thing it never loses the thread on is how it treats Nicholas as a character and as an entity in the show. Because he is very much just, just, just kind of looming entity to a lot of people. At first, you see that Alex is pretty just like enthralled with him just she's just fascinated by him you find out later that she learns that she learns specific that she learns the word thank you and sign so specifically so she could thank him for something and if that's not I've got the hots for you then I don't know what is um but you also learn that like he's this infamous tagged and that in a in a vat of people who are special he is like he has risen above that but you also don't get the idea that he's attempting to do that he's not he's not like he's written as this 
unique. It's not. He's special because he's just kind of mysterious and terrifying. He's not special because he's the special, if that makes any sense. And the way they handle that in the scene with Ch- all with Chad, Warwick, and Nicholas is they have a side character, and they do a really good job with this stu- with this stuff at least in the first couple minute in the first couple episodes. They have the side character who's just like. What, what's with the other guy? He's kind of weird, and Chad's like, "Yeah, don't, don't say that. Don't say, don't even whisper it, because he can read lips, and he will read your lips and kick your ass." Um. So basically, they go and they kick these guys' asses, and then they realize that he is also the pimp, a pimp, and the pimp of who's Alex is with. So they say, we're taking Alex. We don't care what, we don't care what the consequences are, we're taking Alex. And when Chad objects, it's the first time in the show that Nicholas speaks. And in the Japanese version, they have a, they have a really specific voice for him. And in the American version, they have a really specific voice for him. And it's this, like, wobbly, stilted, like, almost, like, kind of drunk, but more too coherent to be drunk, bad, childlike... speak, but coming out of an adult. And he just gets straight to the point and says, like, listen, man, you don't want to fuck with us. Like, we owe you for stuff you've done in the past, but we will fuck your shit up if you don't let us have what we want. And he... And the... It's just this really... Sorry, I'm... drinking occasionally because it's hot where I'm recording. But, um... He does this in, like, a really impactful way. When he does it, he basically, like, kicks a car with his foot so hard that it, like, tilts over with the other officer who asked questions, who asked who he what, what his deal was earlier. And there's such force, such weight to that moment that you're like, holy shit, he must think this is important if he's saying it the fuck out loud. And Chad's like, fuck, okay, I'm not, I don't want to die today, let's not do this. And so Alex stays with them. Now, much past the first three episodes is where this show kind of goes off the rails. And... It's it's oftentimes that a show is just bad, but its manga is okay. It's oftentimes that a show is okay, but its manga is great, or show is great and its manga is even better. Take something like the first Full Metal Alchemist and the 
Full Metal Alchemist manga. I'm not talking about Brotherhood. I'm talking about the, the standard FMA that came out in like the early in the early aughts or whatever. But th- that show is okay. That show's good. That show is really good. But its manga is better. And the reason why they remade that show is because the manga really that show was made before the manga was finished, so they had to do different things. But now the manga was finished on Full Metal Alchemist, they could make Brotherhood and really make it the full, honest story, and it could do what it needed to do. Anything like Gangsta. From what I understand, people wanted this show, this manga made into a show for a long time. But and I see some of this happening with a show on right now called um, Golden Comedy. The manga doesn't have the narrative structure to support a show about it. And what I mean by that is that the The writing is a. The writing isn't strong enough, or specific enough to really exist as a moving platform. I know that sounds weird since lots of people see manga and they see almost the storyboarding of an anime, which is lots of times true. Lots of times, anime goes through great, goes through, go to great pains to recreate like, manga panels and manga sequences and all that stuff. But, um, a great example of that is stuff in Air Gear. They go, in the anime, they go through some really specific manga sequences in anime form, and that's really kind of fun and weird. But, um, this show deals so much, ultimately, with things like substance abuse, like, um, indentured servitude with, uh, un, with un, with non-traditional forms of love and expressing that love and all the other weird nebulous things that it didn't lend itself truly, really well to being an, turned into an anime. And a lot of the stuff that I have talked about with in terms of the plot of the show, I didn't actually learn from the show proper. I learned it from the manga later on. So, when... And they were setting that up in the beginning, but they didn't get enough room to run and get there by, I think this show is with 24 episodes, and this story, to have a clean break in the story, it would have demanded, I want to say, at least 50 episodes. Which is a hard, it's a hard thing for a show like, like Gangsta, with so much attitude, and so much, like, relenting, unrelenting, like, grittiness, and, like, downtroddenness to it to pull off. Um, shows like um, Black Lagoon are 
are rare, but even Black Lagoon only initially had 24 episodes. Later they came back and added another 13 onto that. And if you look at that show, if you look at the first 24 and then the last 13, the last 13 is this sustained, like, dark fucking storyline that is important, but it's, you could do without it. it the, the story had completed at that point. But the thing that held that show up wasn't the setting, it wasn't the mystique of what was going on. It was a very... It was a very weirdly understandable universe they had built. What you really cared about there were the characters and the character relationships. And ultimately, what... Gangster got away from in the manga and got away from in the anime by as a result of the man of the manga storyline is it got away from those character relationships feeling as deep as they do when you first when they're first introduced. So to give you an example They start trying to mix it into a love triangle between Alex, Warwick, and Nicholas pretty quickly. But the way that they play the characters, it is very clear that Warwick is just like a guy with some issues and Alex wants to help him but primarily she's interested in Nicholas. And so that triangle exists in Siri, but doesn't actually, doesn't play out the way a, like, a harem show love octagon would. It's just like, oh, so, like, sometimes, just, sometimes Warwick is a jerk. And Alex is actually really just only into Nicholas, but she's nice to Warwick because he was there too and helped her. And it, that is further confused by Warwick trying... trying to hold... trying to hold the three of them together, almost, by helping treat Alex for what they realize quickly in the show and quickly in the manga to be a withdrawal from basically a psychological... a drug used to psychologically control hookers in this show. That is... And that's not uncommon. In prostitution, lots of times, what pimps do is they get the is they get the girls addicted to drugs and then and then not only are the pimps they're like their quote unquote employers but they're also the people who provide them with more drugs so they don't leave because they know as long as they're there they'll get more coke and if they leave they won't be they'll have to get their coke from somewhere else blah 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 
There's also lots of physical and mental abuse that goes with that. So when they leave, they are not only going through withdrawal, but they have, like, all these moments of just like, Oh, what will he do to me? Will he beat me upside the head with a belt buckle again? And that sounds like a joke from Futurama, but it's the same based in reality. Like, those jokes are come from a real thing. But in him dealing with that, the I, in my opinion, the author creates this false feeling of romance and of closeness that she, that the characters, the way they write the character of Alex, Alex wants first and foremost with Nicholas, but she ends up having it with Warwick because he's the one who's really taking care of her because he's the one who's emotionally available to take care of her, basically. And in this show, Nicholas is this terminally pissed, but also ultimately completely emotionally removed from almost every other character aside from Warwick and a few others. Just person, and that's not, that is not abnormal for disabled people. As speaking, speaking from experience, I tend to see myself out, I tend to see myself outside of situations looking in. I tend to feel completely separated from everyone around me constantly. And it's this, it's this feeling that, it's this lingering feeling that you do not belong, that you are not the same, and you will never be the same. And they... They do a great job of capturing that in this show. But the big problem there is that by doing that, they... By doing that and mixing that with, like, the longing kind ofness of Alex as a character... Uh, they try, they take the angle that does not work very well. They take the angle of Alex wanting to understand what Nicholas's deal is. And as, as a disabled person, I can tell you, you can emphasize with a disabled person, you can learn a lot about their disability, but you will never really truly understand what it's like to be deaf, to not be able to use one arm completely, to not have a hand, to any of that, because unless someone chops off your hand tomorrow and then you live with it for at least ten years, you will not, like, you will not come close to the same place that person is. And that leads to, as a kind of romance story, those two characters feeling so, at least to me, feeling, and I'm sure to other people, other people who are not disabled as well, feeling so far apart from one another, constantly, that they... 
that there's this feeling that they that they they are in the same room but they will never be in the same room and the way you deal with that is you say okay is as a person is you say okay instead of trying to understand you I'm just going to accept you because that's really what relationships are about it's not about it's not necessarily about understanding someone it's about accepting somebody regardless of whether you understand it and if you're in a good if you're in a relationship you get that I mean you you don't understand why your significant other does any every individual thing but you accept that they do and you're okay with it and you accept them you tell you by and by doing that you tell them that not only do, you, do I accept you but I accept everything about you and that's how someone feels like they belong and for disabled people the world is filled with people who are trying to understand people are trying to understand them so much they forget to accept them and this show has characters that understand Nicholas they understand who he is and what he's about and they understand and accept the fact that they will never understand his disability but they accept, they accept that and they accept him completely. And Alex as a character is written as somebody who hasn't gotten there yet. And uh, as far as I've read in the manga, she never does. Because they, they come up with a storyline that Alex was basically separated from her parents in a different part of this, separated from her family in a different part of the city that you're not introduced to for a long time and they they start to muddy the waters in the show but ultimately in the manga with all these supernatural characters basically all these like characters who are like supernatural bad guys and the but unlike a show like Black Lagoon that supports its more odd characters like Roberta um, to such an extent that they can go back to Roberta's storyline and make Roberta's blood trail which is the 13 episode OVA that if you haven't seen I really encourage you to go seek that out because it's fucking amazing um, they support all they support all of that on the backs of really well-written characters, and I've talked about Black Lagoon in a past episode that you can go listen to, but this show, this show try, this show is trying to write an inf an interesting premise, but not giving you characters that are, are not giving you characters and relationships that are concrete and interesting enough for you to go along for the ride with. So, the analog to in um, Black Lagoon to Nicholas and Alex is 
um, what's what's their um, Revy and Rock. And in that show, while they never outright say "I love you" to each other, it is very clear that these two would fucking die for each other by the end of that show. And they show you all of the stuff leading up to that, and they show you all the difficulties leading up to that, so you really appreciate and understand it. And they can build things around that, like the Tokyo Yakuza arc, and they can rely on the fact that you will follow these two characters wherever they put them. The same isn't true of a show like Gangsta. Gangsta is a lot like its um, flashy opening. This premise that is really tantalizing and interesting, but they don't have any characters of any substance to do anything with it. They have... And the characters they do have, they don't use well enough and they don't write around well enough and don't they don't write the characters and progress the characters well enough to the point that they are worth hanging out with. The there's a notable change and I talked about this in Black Lagoon. And I'm going back to the Black Lagoon because Black Lagoon is so much like gangsta and it is so much the version of Gangsta that is a better, basically. There's, in episode 7 of Black Lagoon, there is a kiss, a, like a non-traditional kiss. And from that point, kind of on, and they built to that point very carefully by making the character kind of ramp up, ramp up, ramp up, and then that's the, and that's the payoff. And then for the rest of the show, it is very clear these characters are truly close to each other now in a way that they weren't. And then by the end of that show, it basically implied that those two characters disappeared and just, like, fucked each other's brains out for a month. <laughs> um, but also... When you're introduced, when you're introduced back to them in the OVAs, you still have that relationship to work off of, and you understand. They make sure that you understand the dynamics and the way everything works, and all the relationships between all the characters, and they lean on that. Here, they, by the time they try and start leaning on all the character dynamics in Gangsta, it's too late. It's, like, it's too little too late. You, and also, they don't... They don't take any time to, to let the viewer, or the reader, for that matter, get to know the characters in isolation. And... Black Boon, episode 7, is all about you getting to know why the relationship between Rock and Rebby has spoiled. And by the end, it's kind of boiled over, and they're closer than they 
then you kind of than they ever would have been otherwise without that. This show wants to have it both ways. It wants to have it wants to handle that tension in the same episode that it gets revealed. And that and there's not enough there's not enough space for that to, for those two things to happen completely especially at the hands of A, the writer that wrote this manga, who I believe is a, um, ya- is a yaoi author. And if you're wondering, like, how can you tell that they're a yaoi author? author? If you look at the gangster manga, you'll see that all the character, all the male characters have huge goddamn hands. And apparently that's the tell. You heard it here. Probably not first, but you heard it here. Um, and so, just the lack of adept storytelling and the lack of adept character building combined to make this mess of a manga and of certainly a show. And this show devolves into this kind of unintelligibleness where it's it's giving you story beats and story points, but those story points aren't leading anywhere. And the main reason for that is that it got cut short because it was so ill-received for um, Monglobe that Monglobe couldn't continue making it. And Monglobe also had financial stuff. I'm sure that somebody will correct me at some point. And say like, you know, find it like they also went bankrupt at the same time they're making the show, um, which I think is actually true. But the, so this show just like devolves into this mess of stuff where it's it's doing the one thing that manga shouldn't do seriously, and what it's doing is it's saying is it's giving you all these bits of information that you've never encountered before. But it's giving you to them as if you know them. It's giving you to them like it's throwing them by you like it's chucking baseballs by your head. And that is bad because that causes the viewer and the reader... That causes the viewer to be lost. And to be like, wait, what? Since when is this all... What? Huh? Slow down. And then it doesn't slow down. Which is unfortunate, because the beginning of this show, and the premise of this show, and the addition of a character who is, who's deaf, who's disabled, is a really good idea. And the, the, there is a good show in here somewhere, but it's not what was produced. The, the... Parts are greater than the whole. The relationship between Alex and Nicholas is really interesting. And really, and would be a really amazing thing to watch. For, for anybody to watch Alex go from attempting to understand for, to attempting to accept. And for Nicholas to go from really cold to warmer and warmer. And they started to do that before the whole thing 
hit a wall hard. But they, of course, they never got there. And, like, the idea of dealing with all of that, all the stuff around Warwick and all the stuff around the whole setting of the show, of, like, pick, spending time to pick all of that apart, if it was done really skillfully and really carefully, would be fascinating. It would be as fascinating as learning the, like, the way Hotel Moscow works in Black Lagoon. And it... It just didn't have what it needed to really be what it wanted to be, and that's unfortunate. Because, like I keep saying, it has some amazing bones and some amazing ideas about characters and about disability and about disability in the real world and about, like, uh, a portrayal of the underworld and all this stuff. But, and I keep saying this, it's just a mess. However, unlike that show, I am not a mess, and I am Alex, and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and if you like this podcast, please give us a rating on wherever you listen to podcasts, and please share this podcast with your friends, you know, grab their phone, subscribe them to it, turn it on, and let them ask, let them ask who's this weird dude talking about anime? And you can be like, oh, he's got a podcast here, um, and until then... Pocket your neck.